0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. A sentencing hearing for serial killer Bruce MacArthur continues for a second day here in a Toronto courtroom. It's difficult and emotional for families and friends of the eight men who MacArthur admitted to murdering as the Crown is disclosing previously unheard and pretty gruesome details about how the 67-year-old landscaper preyed on men in Toronto's gay community between 2010 and 2017. In the midst of this all, the demands for a public inquiry are growing with the central question, did police ignore or dismiss the LGBT community's worry that a serial killer was on the loose? And did that happen because of bias. Uh, we want to hear from you. 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 866 740 40 I should also mention as you have probably heard in our newscasts that also this morning uh, there there was a hearing for a police officer who is being charged with dereliction of duty and he was on the desk uh, on a day when uh, uh, a Somebody that uh, that MacArthur had attacked ran in, saying there was a problem. Apparently, MacArthur followed him into the police station and said it was a consensual act, and the matter was dropped by police at that point. So that is also happening as we speak. Um, before we get to your calls, we're going to go to security and terrorism expert Ross McLean and Doug Elliott, who is a lawyer with Cambridge LLP and also an activist in the LGBT community. Welcome to you both.
2: Thank you. Good to be here, Libby.
1: Okay. Doug Elliott, let's start with you. Um, you're saying that the, the police uh, were patronizing and ignored calls from the community to say, hey, what's going on here?
0: Yes, well, there's, there's a couple of issues, uh, I think. The first is that we know from the Picton inquiry that unconscious bias is a, is a problem in a lot of police subcultures. There are also systemic barriers to police detecting the patterns of serial killers. Often the communities who are being preyed upon notice these patterns long before the police do. Um, We've had serial killers in Toronto going back to at least uh, the late 19th century, and our policing methods don't seem to have improved uh, to the point where we can catch these killers early on. Um I and I'm also very troubled by uh both the Goche incident. I you know, I asked myself the question if a woman had got rushed into the police station that day, would she have been treated the same way? Uh, now, he was he it. was
1: naked when he rushed in, is that right? Uh
0: I don't know whether that's so or not. Uh the naked incident, for sure this happened in the Jeffrey Dahmer situation, um uh, where he ran naked the victim ran naked down the street pursued by Dahmer. And the the police uh, were actually caught recorded uh, laughing it off after Def, Jeffrey Dahmer told them it was a, a lovers' quarrel. And of course, the guy ended up uh, as one of Dahmer's victims. Uh, he actually was murdered later that day. Um, so you know, it's not the first time that this has happened, and yet the police let it slip through. The, let the guy slip through their fingers again. Um, the other thing, in terms of the patronizing, one of the things that really concerns me is a statement made by Chief Saunders, who, by the way, I had a lot of respect for Chief Saunders. Uh, I've been to his pride receptions, seemed like a good guy to me. Uh, but I was very troubled by his press conference that he gave in December of 2016, where he told us, uh, you know, don't be so hysterical, there's no serial killer, it's okay to use dating apps. And uh, now I learned that uh, the investigation was well underway at that time, and in fact, uh, the culprit was apprehended just a few weeks later. So I asked myself, was he uh, ignorant of that investigation or was he misleading us? Certainly he was very patronizing to tell us that we were uh, had no reason to be concerned when, in fact, we figured it out long before the police did. It shouldn't be that way.
1: Uh, Ross McLean, um, what do you say to the things Doug's been telling us?
2: Well, he certainly covered a lot of ground there. I want to start off by saying no one here is on the opposite page. I'm on the side of putting away murderers, catching criminals, dealing with them, and getting them before the courts, for number one, to start with. But there's a few things he's saying that I'm sort of surprised as a lawyer he's sort of saying them, really. He's talking, number one, about, I'll just address the first one, the unconscious bias I think if anybody does any research into that, a lot of that has been completely debunked as being phony uh, psychology, uh, for one. So that's not a great hat to uh, hook to hang your hat on. Uh, the, the techniques have improved incredibly since the, the 19th century with serial killers, and part of what solved this problem was the DNA and the forensics is what helped put this man away and also get him to eight first-degree murder police. And, you know, in terms of what the chief had said... When he uh, talked at that conference, I, I think I don't think he was giving exact quotes. I don't think the chief was cavalier about this, uh, but I know uh, I've talked to some of the detectives there. They they could not say that it was a serial killer at that time. Police can't work on hunches. They can't work on I think it could be, and you know. For Mr. Elliott to say that the community had this solved, I don't know why they didn't go in front of a JP then and swear out uh, an affidavit of for murder against Mr. MacArthur. I don't think they had it solved. So I think we have to be very careful with the facts here. They, These are eight first-degree murder charges.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, but um, what about this, this incident with the chief? If the chief said, don't worry about it, no serial killer, just before MacArthur was arrested?
2: No, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I don't know that he said don't worry about it. I, th- I believe you said that they do not believe, they do not have any evidence to say that there's a serial killer. And they did not at that time. I think That's if we look at, the, at the facts.
0: They did have plenty of evidence that there was, was a serial be- killer. They had the man under surveillance at the time. And I would like to point out, you know, I, uh, Mr. McLean is not a lawyer. I understand my business very well, Mr. McLean. And I'd suggest you read the Jane Doe case, which said that the police have a duty to warn when they know a vulnerable community is at risk, and for them to do the exact opposite and fail to warn our community and instead reassure us that there was no problem when they had a suspected killer under surveillance is a gross dereliction of that duty but let me just say the only way we're going to get the true facts in this case is through a full public inquiry you know at uh...
2: at that point uh, I'd like you to reconsider what you just said, that the fact that you said that the chief knew that there was a serial killer at that point, and if the evidence does not bear that out, I hope you make an apology to the chief on that.
0: I would gladly apologize to him if I'm wrong, but I'm going to tell you, I've read the newspaper reports about the investigation very closely, and they the knew they had, the okay. reason they were able to arrest that guy in January is because they had him under surveillance. That was about three weeks after the chief spoke. So either he didn't know what was going on, or he was misleading us about what what was going on? It that press conference was clearly designed. That press conference was clearly designed to reassure the community. And I would like to know, in the Jane Doe case, and if, if you haven't read it, I suggest you do. In the Jane Doe case, what I was going DNA. on? Okay, we have to stuff.
1: wait, wait, wait. Before you invoke the Jane Doe case, we have to uh, remind people about it. It happened an awfully long time ago, and yeah. that was a case where there was a, a serial rapist on the loose, and uh, there was a court case stemming from the fact that that, uh, the women were not warned about that.
0: That's correct. And and it was actually in the same neighborhood. It was in the Church Wellesley neighborhood. Okay, before
1: we get to our calls, Ross, uh, do you think a, a public inquiry is warranted here or a good idea?
2: Well, I don't know that it's a necessarily a good idea. the one The one thing I would like to see come out of it, because they're going ahead with it anyways, I would like to see it to be an inquiry that also has recommendations for how uh, the community can work better with the police on doing these issues. I mean, there there is some, uh, you know, there's real problems within the community that have to be dealt with as well in dealing with the police. I, I don't think, you know, the fact that this man was able to pray, just like. Within the, uh, the black community, there are certain black people who prey on black people. In the Asian community, there's Asians who prey on Asians. In this community, we had this man prey on his community. And we need to find ways to be able to uh, uh, deal with that. We, you know, there's, I think there's maybe some good suggestions could come out of that.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Diane in Toronto. Hi, Diane. Diane? Hello? Diane, one more chance hello hello yes you're on the air please go ahead yes uh, thank you for taking my call uh this whole situation a terrible terrible tragedy as it always is when there's a loss of life but i think libby people have to take some responsibility for their own safety there are crazies out there we all know that you know taking these risks by especially uh, this fellow uh, all of them i guess they were into this M stuff which uh, I think carries a lot of trust with the the partner that you engage in. And, you know, to go and do this with a stranger that you've never, you know, you don't even so, know. Uh, it sounds a little, a little bit like uh, blaming the victim. I mean, yeah, no, you don't no, know. No, 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 I'm not blaming the victim. I think it's terrible, as I say. But for all of us, we have to be aware of things. You have to be careful. That's, that's all I'm saying. Okay, Diane, thank you for that. Okay. okay uh, uh, Doug Elliott, do you have anything to say to that?
0: Well, I do think that people have to take some responsibility for their own safety. But if Chief Saunders says that he was surprised there was a serial killer at work at Toronto, you can imagine that a gay man in Toronto, especially in the early days of this, would have No no reason to believe that the guy was a serial killer. The last victim, by the way, Gary Kinsman, he had dated this guy several times before he got murdered. So he had had several very safe encounters with this guy before he was murdered. Um, So I I think it would be wrong to say that Gary Kinsman was taking a chance by having an S&M encounter with this guy. I'm very concerned about this, by the way. I think that um it, again, on the question of bias, and I don't agree with uh, Ross McLean about the debunking of, of unconscious bias, it was uh, all over the Picton Inquiry report, which I... I expect down the line we're going to see a, a report about what happened with MacArthur, and they're going to, it's going to look a lot like the Picton Inquiry report. We don't seem to learn.
1: Well, I, I remember, you know, in the, I think it was in the 80s in the United States, and uh, they were, they what was it, like looking for Mr. Goodbar or something, and there was um, what would now be called a hookup culture, and, uh, you know, there were murders re- resulting from it, and then, uh, yeah. you know, people were... Often, blaming the women, saying, "Hey, you know, you went with somebody you didn 't know
0: well people, lots of people engage in uh, in sexual encounters with people that they don 't know in today 's culture, otherwise, Tinder would be out of business exactly uh, but um, the the reality is that um, you know, I saw a report and i 'd like to see this explored at a public inquiry where a friend of one of the victims knew that the culprit was using a particular dating app knew his profile name called it into the police what happened to that lead I'd like to know uh, and I remember specifically that uh, uh, the chief said at his press conference that there was no evidence that uh, gay dating apps were implicated in this case well that means that that somehow that lead that they had was lost well, why
1: Um. Ross, before we take a break here, uh, there's one thing I'd just like to ask you, and that's the case of this cop who's facing uh, disciplinary charges now. So th- somebody you know, runs into the police station, uh, says there's a problem, and then the, the, the perpetrator actually walks in af- after him, and uh, you know, how does that happen, convinces the desk that there's no problem?
2: Well, we're going to have to wait to hear what the evidence on that. The only thing I will say about that is that Hank and Zynga that brought up the complaint after him having looked into it. And I've got a lot of respect uh, for Hank in making that call. So he felt it was enough to be a complaint. They felt it was enough to lay a charge. But you do bring up an interesting point when you talk about consent and these issues with apps and getting together for short-term uh let's Sex. say snm type well M <laughs> type in particular yep. so when in this day and age of consent where you have somebody saying well they were consenting I, we don't know maybe bruce MacArthur showed his dating profile said look i am looking for guys who do it we, we'll have to wait to hear the evidence on this but the fact that hank and Zinga thought that a, a charge was at least merited or to be looked at i think is important and we need to hear the evidence on that
1: OK, we've got to take a break. We'll be back with more from Doug Elliott and Ross McLean on the issue of whether a public inquiry should be held, whether it's warranted, whether there was bias or no bias in the way the police handled this whole investigation. Before we go to break, the numbers to call 416 0740 toll free 1866 744 740 and we will be back after this.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to 1. Fight Back with Libby Snyder on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. We are talking about Bruce MacArthur, the serial killer, and uh, whether there needs to be an inquiry into the investigation because uh, the gay community was saying for a long time there was a serial killer on the loose, and it did not resonate with the police. Uh, I'm wondering, Doug Elliott... Is, is this, I mean, when even when you look at, uh, you know, previous cases of serial killers uh, or rapists, Jane Doe, is it is it kind of, do do people take a different attitude uh, when there is sex involved or Picton?
0: Yes, I think that's part of it. You know, uh, we can remember uh, Robert Picton's victims were sex trade workers, and so some people might uh, take the attitude that people were asked, those Women were asking for it, um, but I think uh, the more the overarching issue here, really. And by the way, I just want to say I I also have a high opinion of uh, Detective I'd Singa and I think his communications around this issue have been far superior to the ones that that were engaged in by the chief. But I think the real issue here is that. When you have uh, serial killers, what we know from the past, especially organized serial killers as opposed to the disorganized one, they, there are patterns that can be detected if you're looking for them. But there are none so blind as those who will not see. You know, what I'm hearing from Ross McLean is, well, we, we couldn't figure it out until the very last moment. Well, the you know going back when to the Ted Bundy, Bundy murders, um, no one thought those young women were asking for it just by going to college and university, but the pattern uh, they, they realized that there were patterns there that they could have detected, and that's what led to the setting up of the uh, profiling. What we had here in Toronto is that with the missing police missing persons, they were treated as missing persons, not homicide victims, because this guy was smart enough to realize that if he disposed of the bodies with no trace that's what would happen and it was balkanized in all the various divisions in toronto so you know if a guy goes out for a night of fun at a gay bar like mr navaratnam and never turns up again um apparently the police were concluding that that's some kind of uh normal behavior on the part of gay men well we knew differently as the crown attorney acknowledged this week
1: uh do you agree with that ross
0: I think he's making a lot
2: of conclusions that uh, I don't think he's capable of making for that. Like, number one, when these, when these men went missing, and Mr. MacArthur was a very organized uh, killer who hid bodies, who attacked men, who in some cases had no family, in some cases had no friends. In other place, in other times and places, they weren't out. There were no bodies that were turning up. And the police actually went to set up two different projects to try and put together pieces and, uh, on these cases. And look, when you get money out of out of the police department to do a project you have to say what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and what you have to accomplish and why you need it and they were able to get the money to do it so i mean uh mr MacArthur was um, I, I don't know it's, it's just he, he certainly is an, an an unusual case and once the police had the thread to pull on that they had it it all came apart and they were able to then go and immediately find the bodies find the body parts that was all post uh, you know his arrest
1: do you think uh that there is any kind of bit or um, edge of political correctness in the, in the call for a public inquiry ross I think
2: so I also listen I also see why why the community would want one. I see why they would want one, but I also see there's, there's, I believe there's people in the community who do like engaging with the police. They think they need to work with the police. They don't want to be activists with the police. I mean, certainly there's a whole contingent of, uh, of gay and lesbian police officers that are interested. And, uh, you know, these guys who make homicide detectives, they don't, they don't shun these things. I talked with one detective. I'm not going to say his name. He's one of the most accomplished. He's now retired homicide detectives. And we were just talking quietly. And we talked about uh, a prostitute that was murdered, a street walker who was murdered or something. And I said to him, what's the deal with doing an investigation? that?" And he says, I don't care who the person is or what their circumstances are. They deserve a complete and full investigation of all the circumstances of their death. And he looked at me with a stone-cold look, and that was just me talking man-to-man to the guy. So I, I don't think you're going to find that people rise to those ranks with being cavalier about not caring about people and doing the job. I mean, if that comes out through evidence that that's what's happened, then then fine, we'll deal with that. But to assume that off the top, I think, is a, is a disservice to the men and women who, who are, are working on that investigation.
1: Uh, Doug Elliott, Ross was alluding to the political problems, uh, Black Lives Matter, the exclusion of police from from the parade. Is, is that whole thing seeping into this, you think?
0: For some people it is, I'm sure, but uh, Mr. McClain obviously doesn't know me very well because uh, I've been one of the outspoken critics of the exclusion of the Toronto Police Service from the Pride Parade. I, I didn't my say
2: where you were, not I wasn't speaking about you, sir. So don't say okay, that I do well, Okay, well, my
0: father's was a police officer. My grandfather was a police officer. I think I understand the police uh, subculture just about as well as anyone who's not actually a police officer. And what we're talking about here is... Uh, uh, certainly, issues of culture and bias that need to be explored. I think that's why we want a public inquiry. Uh, but there's also systemic problems that we are concerned about. You know, uh, Mr. McLean meant, mentioned uh, uh, lack. You know, resource issues. Um, he and and how that works. That's certainly uh, something that I would like ex- to explore. We know from cases uh, like Ted Bundy, and I think we'd find that out from uh the current case that some of these uh, serial killers are very smart they they understand how the police work and they look for the frailties in the police system uh one of them being that if you uh if you work uh if you uh, carry out your business as a serial killer in several different jurisdictions there's a big, very good chance that the left hand won't know what the right hand is doing let's not forget that in this case as in the Bundy case Um, As in the Bernardo case, as in other cases that we've seen, it's not like this guy was hiding from the system. He was actually up on charges before the time that his victim ran into the police. So I'd like to know how it was that our system failed to connect the dots when you had a guy who had already been in the court charged with attacking a sex trade worker with a lead pipe, something he couldn't explain. Like, well, no, I mean, this is not uh, somebody many... who was uh, living a quiet life in the suburbs, and we had no idea that he posed a threat.
1: Well, I mean, just let, me, let, me, just, let me. Okay, I just want to ask a question. How many times have we had people out on parole going back to commit crimes? I mean, go ahead, Ross.
2: Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Right now, there are bank robbers out there who've robbed one or two or three banks. The police haven't caught them yet. Right now, there are murderers out there that have murdered uh, one or two or maybe more times that that, that the police even know who some of these murders are, but they can't convict them. They can't get the evidence and the witnesses to deal with them in court. And in terms of going saying that police weren't putting resources on this, as I said, the police already put two different special projects on this. And I think you will find that this has probably been the single most expensive homicide investigation, probably in the history of Canada, if not North America, for all the work that was done on this. So, I mean, to say that there's not resources and that the chief, I ask constantly about those resources, uh, by the way, sir, I said, have you got the resources? And I talked to Hank about that. And he said, we've got whatever we need on this. Like, now, So they, they did they did put the resources to that. No one was hiding something or not wanting to do the job, is my understanding. I
0: don't think those resources were deployed until the Kinsman case. They shut down the project. They started off at Project Houston, and then they shut it down. Uh, they were because pursuing they a false lead on a, they, the cannibalism uh, goose chase that they pursued. The reality is, uh, you know, you are uh, praising a, a police investigation that failed to produce results until eight people were dead. And so hey, Andrew think that's good enough, until Andrew I Kinsman do not. And I would Kinsman. like to know if we and can I do better. Th- and if it turns out that we can't, that with the best possible system, that this exact same thing would have happened, I will be happy to eat my words. But I've been involved in two major public inquiries, the Tainted Blood Inquiry and the LA Lake Mall Collapse Inquiry. And the reality is when tragedies like this happen, there usually have been systemic problems or human failures, and usually a lot of them, and you can learn a lesson. No, no, well, you know I, just, there I just want what to is, make maybe, one point.
2: What there is, is not systemic problems per se, is you have a serial killer who is cold-blooded, bloodthirsty, beyond gruesome, that couldn't even make it to an uh, over-18 movie if you tried to put the parts into it. That's what caused these deaths. Not systemic, unconscious bias. There was a criminal that actually did these criminal acts, and the police were trying to find that. They were trying to find bodies. They were trying to find victims. They were trying to convict people. That's, um, what, that's what caused this.
1: Okay. I mean, I just want to point out, um, and uh, I'll let you both respond very quickly, is just, th- you know, this isn't uh, the only case uh, where uh, police didn't solve things in a timely way. And look what's happening with Honey and Barry Sherman. Uh, but we basically have to go. So, Doug Elliott, what would you like to leave us with?
0: We need a full public inquiry because only a full public inquiry will tell us Whether Ross McLean is right and the police did a fantastic job and couldn't have stopped it, or whether I'm right and there are problems that need to be fixed so this doesn't happen again.
1: And Ross?
2: Well, I I applaud the lawyer for his 2020 hindsight in being able to see through problems that he could have solved this problem before, and he did have it solved before, and I don't know why he didn't come forward if he had it solved before. But listen, let me leave it with this. I feel for these people, the victims that have taken place, for their family and friends that are around that had to hear about these horrific deaths, and I'd like to see it healed, and I'd like to find processes that come forward that don't allow this sort of thing to happen again. It's
1: horrific. Okay, well, uh, I think that both of you agree on that, at least. Thank you so much, Doug Elliott and Ross McLean. Thank Thank
2: you,
0: Libby. Thank you, Doug. Okay. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.